Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Zamprin. The Ontario Medical Association wants governments to expedite the distribution of COVID-19 vaccines and rapid tests. Physicians at McMaster Children's Hospital are urging parents to vaccinate their children against COVID-19. Paul and Shona join me on the Good Morning Hamilton roundtable. Will we have a white Christmas? And we recap the year that was in sports. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900. CHML. Friends, I know you're all tired. Over the last 20 months, you've been asked to sacrifice so much. We've all dug so deep, and now we need to dig a little deeper. We'll get through this, and the best way each of us can help is by getting vaccinated. Getting your booster, please do so as soon as you possibly can. Booster shots now available to book, although uh, there are, in some cases, people having to wait until January, sometimes even in early February. Seeing some people tweeting about that, saying that, uh, yeah, they got through, it took a while, but now they booked their shot, and uh, now they're having to wait to get that shot. This is Good Morning Hamilton, and you're listening to 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. The Ontario Medical Association is calling on all levels of government to expedite and expand the distribution of COVID-19 vaccines, as well as rapid tests here to chat about it is the president of the OMA, Dr. Adam Kassam. Dr. Kassam, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Rick. Have governments done enough? I guess that's the question that many people are asking. Well, I I think the first thing to say right off the bat is this is really disappointing news as far as uh, Omicron is concerned for everyone. Uh, A lot of people over the past 21 months have sacrificed small business, uh, schools, kids, everyone. Uh, And so I I just want to have your listeners understand that we, we really understand how things are going and, and, and that this is really disappointing going into the holiday season, of course. You know, right now we are, however, focused on trying to make sure that everyone is as as protected as they can. We know that we are fundamentally in a different place than we were in 2020. We have vaccines and we know that three doses are better than two, which is why we're continuing to advocate for the distribution and also the supply uh, of the vaccine broadly across the country and, of course, here in the province. We know that we have antivirals and therapeutics that are being used for COVID-19 patients who are admitted to hospital. We know the way in which this this virus spreads, which is airborne, and which is why we're taking a little bit of a different approach right now in terms of being able to ensure that people are masking and distancing where appropriate. And so we are fundamentally in a better place than we were in 2020. We have some work to do, uh, and so that is sort of our challenge right now in the next coming weeks. So is that work basically getting the boosters, uh, keeping capacity limits, certain restrictions in place until we get a better handle on A, what exactly Omicron is, and B, uh, we start to see those cases start to dwindle and certainly not see the rise in hospitalizations that we saw in previous waves? I think that's a very fair take. I think that what we're trying to look for is a bridge towards a better understanding of the impact of this disease more broadly in society. And as you're describing, uh, you know, there's the data and the science is still emerging, which of course is uh, a frustration given the fact that we're all impatient at this stage of the pandemic. But the fact of the matter is that we are looking to other jurisdictions for their data. We're waiting with bated breath here in Ontario about how, how, um, how, how the disease evolves. And you're right, we need to be focused. All of this is focused on hospital and healthcare system capacity. 
which means we need to take a, a very close look at hospitalizations, ICU numbers, and then the number of people in an ICU who need ventilation. Uh, and so all of these things are important. And the other thing I would say is very important right now, and at a cri- we're at a critical point, I believe, is figuring out our, our strategy and our protocols for uh, isolation and quarantine for healthcare workers. I think that, you know, given the, 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 the significant uh, burden of, of, um, of disease potentially in the community and the potential exposure that healthcare workers uh, may, may have, we need to figure out a way in which we can preserve the integrity of the healthcare system so that we can continue to provide healthcare services. And so adjusting potentially our protocols for isolation uh, and, and testing for, for healthcare workers is going to be very important in the coming weeks ahead. We've only got about a minute left with Dr. Adam Kassim, president of the Ontario Medical Association. Pandemic fatigue is certainly real. What is the level that you're seeing among uh, frontline physicians and, and just physicians in general in this province? Well, I think that there is significant burnout in, in the profession. Uh, with three out of four physicians over the past year uh, have described some level of burnout. And this is before Omicron. This is uh, a paper that we released uh, about three or four months ago now. And so that's only been exacerbated by this recent wave uh, that we're dealing with. And this, of course, mirrors what society is feeling. People are tired. Parents are tired. Small business can't believe it, you know, that we're having to do this again. And so I think that there is a general understanding that we need to preserve as much uh, of that um, of that goodwill as we can. We know that we're going into the holidays. We know that people want to gather. But what we're asking is to, first of all, focus on trying to get a third dose. We know that that three doses are better than two. The data is pretty clear that that still has a fairly good effect on uh, on preventing severe disease. And severe disease is what we really want to try and prevent. We want to prevent people from going into hospitals, into the ICUs, and unfortunately being intubated. And so this is our way forward. I know that at the top of your segment, you talked a little bit about not having enough um, ability to, to, to book a vaccine appointment until February in some cases. This is where supply and distribution need to match up. And so this is where uh, our federal and provincial governments need to play a part. Totally agree. Dr. Kassim, appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas as well. Rick, take care. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year's. And uh, take care. Dr. Adam Kassin, president of the Ontario Medical Association. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Physicians at McMaster Children's Hospital urging local parents to vaccinate their children against COVID-19 before the holidays. Dr. Jeffrey Pernica is an infectious disease specialist at McMaster Children's Hospital and had that message to share with residents of Hamilton. And he tells us why there is an urgent need to get kids vaccinated against COVID. I mean, I I think we always thought it was a good idea for children to get vaccinated. Children do not often develop severe disease when they are infected with COVID-19, but severe disease does happen. Multi-system inflammatory syndrome does happen in children and so um, prevention is probably going to be the safest course. Our children's hospitals are already dealing with seasonal substantial increases in visits because of other respiratory viral illnesses. Even preventing just a few severe COVID-19 infections could be important to protecting pediatric care, both in Hamilton and in other parts of Canada. It is going to be really important for pediatric health to do everything that we can to prevent additional children coming to hospital. This includes the COVID-19 vaccine. One of the other questions many are asking is if children don't experience COVID-19 symptoms, should they get the vaccine? So I I would say that the majority of children who get infected with COVID-19 get mild to no symptoms. However, 
there are still children who do get severe disease or multi-system inflammatory syndrome after COVID-19 infection, which can be quite serious. For this reason, I think it will be important for children to get the COVID-19 vaccine to prevent against these complications. Finally, I think there's lots of children and families who are worried about spreading COVID-19 to their, to their families and friends. And COVID-19 vaccination is going to be important for them to lessen the chance that they get significant disease and spread it to others. And there's still some questions about the safety of the vaccine. So is the vaccine safe for children? And how do we know? Here's more from Dr. Jeffrey Pernica, infectious disease specialist, McMaster Children's Hospital. What we saw in clinical trials is that by and large, children aged 5 to 11 had lower rates of systemic side effects as compared to teenagers. And teenagers, by and large, had lower rates of, of almost all side effects as compared to adults. The side effect that was problematic, especially in older teenagers, was heart inflammation. At this point, more than 5 million doses of vaccine have been given to eight children aged 5 to 11 in North America and so far, it appears as though the risk of heart inflammation in these younger children is lower than that in older teenagers and young adults. And Dr. Pernica tells us what we can do in addition to the vaccine to help keep our family safe. People need to be aware of symptoms that they have or that they are developing. And so for those who are developing symptoms suggestive of a respiratory viral infection, they should really not have other contacts outside their household. So this, these are things like cough, fever, difficulty breathing. These can be signs and symptoms of, of COVID, but also of other respiratory viral illnesses that can make people sick. And so really, during this holiday period, please, Try and do your best to protect those that are more vulnerable among your family, your friends, and your community. Uh, good attention to hand washing and hand hygiene is also extremely important. Great advice from Dr. Jeffrey Pernicut, McMaster Children's Hospital in Hamilton. Children can receive the COVID vaccine at the locations listed on the City of Hamilton public health website. Now, these clinics are walk-in for those age 12 plus, requiring first or second doses. Appointments are required for children aged 5 to 11. So if you have a kid in that age group, you must make an appointment before going to a COVID-19 vaccination site. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Time now for the Good Morning Hamilton roundtable with Paul and Shona. Good Monday morning. Good Monday morning. So what you're telling me is I need to start my shopping pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, get cracking. Unless you're relying on the big man. <laughs> uh, that's, that's my hope. <laughs> I saw something really odd on the way to work this morning. And usually, you know, we, we get to work at you know an odd time of the day. And yeah, so we're not much going on normally. Yeah, but sometimes you see something here or there, and it's usually police-related. You know, hey, yeah. what's going on here? There's a fire or whatever the case is. So this morning I'm driving to work on Fennel, and in one of the parking lots at one of the retail outlets, there's this guy standing there and, uh, and a dog kind of just having a great time. This dog was really... <laughs> Like, enjoying things. It was running around, jumping. He must have been throwing a ball, which I didn't see. Yeah. But the guy was on a hoverboard in wow. the parking lot with his dog. I thought, wow, that's... That is next level. One way to, wow. yeah, get your dog some exercise. Yeah. 
four in the morning. <laughs> no kidding. A real hoverboard? Yeah. Like, yeah. And it was glowing and the whole thing. I thought, wow, this is, awesome. this is pretty neat. Yeah. So that was the highlight of my day. If you're going to do it in a parking <laughs> lot, that is a good time to do it. Yes. that Yeah. yeah. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Friday was a big announcement day from the provincial government, and uh, at 12.01 a.m. yesterday, the uh, latest new reality came into effect with uh, limits on social gatherings, capacity limits in stores and restaurants. So the question is, are we anticipating that further restrictions are going to be announced anytime soon? Whether I, I don't think it's going to be lockdowns, but even reduced capacity, reduced gathering limits. Who wants to start on this one? I'll go first. Okay. Um, after the course of the last 20 months or so, <laughs> I'm always prepared yes, for new restrictions for the worst. coming in because... Of course there will be. Yes. Man, it's like deja vu all over again. Oh, One man. thing we certainly don't know is we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and neither of the people making accurate. the decisions. I mean, yeah. Wednesday it sounded pretty much that it was going to be the status quo through Christmas mm-hmm. from yeah. Doug Ford. And then Friday he calls an impromptu news conference and makes a big change. And now says, you know, I mean, on Wednesday and Thursday of last week, the provincial... Um, Education minister was very certain that we would be going, uh, the kids would be going back to school. Yeah. And Friday, the premier said, well, I don't know. Yes. So have, if there's one big one that's coming, it might be that. The it schools? might be that. Yeah, something to do with this. I have come to feel like that character that Pete Davidson does on SNL, Chad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's roll, what we're doing now. punches. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you on the school front. I have a sneaking suspicion that... Maybe for two weeks, maybe a month tops, the kids won't be in school and all be remote. I wouldn't be shocked. Wouldn't be shocked. Well, nothing yeah. will shock me. No, now. nothing will. Things may disappoint me. Things may put me in a bummer mood. I mean, talking about the Wednesday to Friday, start like you know a week ago, a month, a week ago today, I was pretty chipper about everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, Christmas was going to be good. I was yeah. double vaxxed. I had a booster shot coming up. And then, oh my lord, you know, it just, <laughs> yeah. it's just. I think we we are all are sick and tired of it. I, I mean, and the new poll shows that about fifty percent, fifty one percent are changing their Christmas plans now. Yeah. They're they're cutting way back on their Christmas plans and. So you got you know that's got to be some last minute decisions. Yeah, you mentioned uh, pandemic fatigue. Our online poll question today, or Twitter poll question today, at AM nine hundred CHML, has the arrival of the Omicron variant deepened your pandemic fatigue? Eighty nine percent saying yes, it absolutely has. I mean, there's people that say that it hasn't. <laughs> I, I guess w- not. I wish I was one of them. <laughs> I guess they maybe they've been fatigued all this time. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the, it's got it's got to the basement level, and it's, yeah. it can't get any deeper than that. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, speaking of surprising, we I don't, I don't know if you might. Be be surprised or not i know you just said that you wouldn't be surprised at anything but paul would you be surprised if the beijing olympics were postponed okay that would surprise me yes if they postpone the full olympics yeah that would shock me i i mean i certainly can see that the nhl is not going to go i mean yeah. i really see yeah. that more and more as we see what's happened just this weekend with uh, the covid restrictions and and games being canceled if they were to postpone the whole olympics and move it to what next year? Yeah, I guess. What variant will be around next year? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't know. Or so, or later on in 2022. I don't know. I mean, that, yeah. that was the deal with Tokyo. Remember, it was supposed to be 2020. They were going to postpone it a couple months, and they said, "Nope, let's do it a whole year." They finally got it, and they did so relatively safely. And even though Tokyo itself was in you know chaos mode with rising uh, cases, the Olympic Village itself was pretty safe. But yeah, Beijing, I don't know. I, well, I, I think that's the way they're going to do it. I think it'll be kind of a lockdown bubble of the Olympics. Yeah. And they'll just go ahead. And, you know, I mean, it's whether the athletes want to go. And I think if you've been training for your entire life, you want to go. Right. You want to go. Absolutely. Now, if you're making 
four, you know, $12 million a year as an NHL player, <laughs> yeah. maybe you yeah. don't need to go. And maybe your club doesn't want you to go because they're <laughs> yes. paying you yeah, that. Yeah, but they're, they're playing nice right yeah. now and saying it's up to the player. It's up <laughs> yeah. to the player. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I mean, it, change that tune, I think. Yeah, it would be, you know, it's it's the isolation standpoint. Like five weeks after the games are done, like you're gone for like two months. Yeah, and this yeah. is the this is the Chinese government saying this. Yeah. The NHL doesn't have power over the Chinese government. No. I mean, nobody's <laughs> got power over the Chinese government. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's going to be an interesting discussion. Yeah, I could yeah. see that the Beijing Olympics will go forward with China winning everything because it's the only, <laughs> com- the only country, country that can compete. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I'm sure they'll they'll have some Taiwanese athletes so they can take them over and, you know, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go uh, let's lighten the mood a little bit. So I had my first of two Christmas feasts. Wow. Yesterday. Yes. Part 1 was yesterday, part 2 will be this Saturday. Uh what is your favorite Chris- Christmas feast side dish? That's a mouthful. Well, if you had one, what did you, what was your favorite one yesterday? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. There's so many good uh, you know, stuffing. I think would have but <laughs> It would have to have gravy on it. Because stuffing itself is good, but with gravy, it's just like, that's like the cherry on top of the sundae. It, so stuffing is my favorite Well, you're, you're simple like me as well. Like, I'm, very, I mean, I'm a very simple guy. You know, when you're talking about side dishes, there's so many things that come out on a Christmas dinner. Yes. But it is the stuffing that, to me, is the highlight. Mm-hmm. And my mom made really good stuffing, but my brother-in-law, he makes unbelievable stuff. Really? Yeah. And, and he, I know it sounds crazy. He does not use the turkey. Ooh. It is an outside the turkey dish. Wow. And it is really. Gentlemen. Yes. yes. Shona? I have a stuffing recipe <laughs> that will bring tears to your eyes. Oh, wow. And will have you begging for fourths, fifths, and sixths. So you're sharing this recipe with us? It starts with <laughs> craisins Ooh. that are simmered in triple sec until they plump up with that liqueur in them. Mm-hmm. It has hot Italian sausage. Oh. It has, you know, all of the usuals, like a, a bit of a mirepoix, like celery and yeah. onion and fresh sage. Wow. Well, there's, there's so you many good words in that. You could have pecans or... I know. I'm just, pecans my mouth is or water. almonds, if you, if you like the nuts, for a little crunch element there. Wow. But it wow. is... It's a meal in itself. You might put my brother-in-law to shame That's there. A, that item. is a mic drop I'm right gonna, there. I'm gonna, yeah. I, I would bring some in for you two to try it, but there's never any uh, left over. All right. Share oh, the recipe, please. Uh, there's not a, what do you mean, no, nothing left over? There's nothing left over. Wow. Uh, well, I'm not allowed to leave the house with it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you get tackled at the door. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Go so we're all, our side dish favorite, even, depends on the, the family recipe, but it's stuffing. is stuffing. Wow. So all these other things that everybody goes to, the, all the effort of making, it would save you a lot of time just doing the turkey yeah. and stuffing. Just I can leave the gravy. house. The stuffing cannot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, before you guys go, yeah. uh, I want to get your vote on today's oh, Christmas right, right. movie madness matchup. How the Grinch Stole Christmas versus A Christmas Carol. Uh, Shona, we'll start with you. Which one are you going with? I am going to go with Grinch. Grinchy the Grinch. Yep. Well, I didn't vote for Grinch the first time, so I can't vote for it now, so I'm going with the Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> I will go with How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So it's two against one. Yeah. Once again, why am I always on well, the opposite well, side? I, I was on your side on <laughs> Friday, oh, right, and yeah, we both I got was... National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation right. It's going to the final. It'd be, Is it's it a really? Life. Yeah, be, It's a Wonderful Life, 58 to 42. Wow. I know. I'm kind of surprised on that. Upset special. Yeah, we had a lot of sway. You and I have a, have a lot of sway out People there. listen yeah, to the roundtable and like, yeah. I really do. I'm going this way. Yep. We'll see what happens tomorrow. <laughs>
And I'm very sorry to injure Street today. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Got to say congratulations to Barry Shainson. He has won a $25 gift certificate to Barbecue Bandits Hamilton. Or a dollar from every Y108 Piggy Burger sold will go to the CHML Children's Fund. Your next chance to win comes tomorrow when you hear that sweet sizzling sound. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A little blast of snow over the weekends made for things looking pretty or a little slushy as well but will it stick around until saturday and is there any snow in the forecast that will ensure that we're going to have a white christmas well let's ask an expert anthony farnell is global news chief meteorologist and joins us now on good morning hamilton good morning anthony good morning rick so what are the chances we're holding out hope that it's going to be a white christmas this weekend yeah, and uh, the hope that we're holding out uh, isn't necessarily that the snow you see out your window is going to stick around because I think a lot of that's going to melt in the next couple of days as the temperature climbs above freezing. There may be just some some residue left later this week, but there is hope still Thursday night and then again Friday night into Christmas morning. We have two systems that, that have the potential to bring some snow Unfortunately, they also could be rain, so it could be a, a very wet Christmas morning instead of white. We'll, we'll still have to iron out those details going forward. What are the challenges of developing a forecast that is a week away? Uh, there's obviously a lot of factors to consider. Uh, yeah, definitely factors to consider, especially this year. We have uh, a lot on the weather map and uh, out west, just some extreme cold that we're starting to see. It's actually traversing over the North Pole from Siberia and coming into western Canada. And computer models notoriously have trouble with that because of uh, the terrain out there, the Rockies, where this cold likes to press. And they definitely have trouble with with the cold but also the storm tracking around it and then what happens for us further east so there is there's a lot on the table and it just gets more complicated obviously as you go out in time away from today we got some snowfall on saturday it was very wet slushy like was that lake effect uh, there was some lake enhancement. So this okay. system uh, was coming in. It actually tracked south of Ontario, which is why we were just cold enough for that snow or even yeah, some rain mixing in, ice pellets. Uh, but there was some enhancement from the lake because of those east winds. And and most of that, I think, was was just north of Hamilton from, from Burlington into Oakville and, and even Mississauga. I would imagine that this time of the year, weather forecasters, meteorologists such as yourself, are under a lot of pressure to deliver a white Christmas. Do you feel the heat, so to speak? Yeah, definitely. And, and some of it is, is pressure that we put on ourselves. I, I make seasonal forecasts. So I, I made a winter forecast back in early November. And, and you can never obviously be, be certain about one day in time. But you can say, okay, this year, I think there's a higher than normal chance of, of a white Christmas or snow over the holidays. And I thought there would be actually a lot of cold this December. Didn't turn out that way so far. I, I do see signs now that this is changing and, and it may turn quite cold late December and then into the month of January. But uh, there's a lot that we look at and a lot of these things are called teleconnections. So basically things that are happening elsewhere around the planet that in a typical year would then translate to different weather events here. And a lot of that is pointing now to cold. The big question is timing. We're chatting with Anthony Farnell, Chief Meteorologist, Global News, here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Winter officially arrives at 10.59 a.m. tomorrow. 
Um, what is the winter outlook like? Are we going to see a lot more snow than we have? Because it's, it's been a fairly dry December, at least. Yeah, it definitely has. And of course, we saw those record temperatures, not one, but a couple of occasions so far. I don't see that type of warmth again uh, anytime soon. And I do think we're going to get into a, definitely a snowier pattern heading into the month of January for sure. And, and then February also looks quite snowy. But like I've said before, this is going to be a winter where it may snow a lot but it doesn't necessarily stick around throughout the entire season. We have a lot of ups and downs, and uh, that's partly because of the climate we're in, just uh, whether it's global warming or, or just the pattern we're in, and and also just uh, the way I see things for the next couple of months. Great stuff. Anthony, always appreciate the time. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the week. Same to you, and I'm I'm still holding out hope. I'm putting that white Christmas chance at about 60%, 70%. So that's looking pretty good this year. We'll take it. Thanks, Anthony. All right. Thanks, Rick. Anthony Farnell, Chief Meteorologist, Global News, virtually guaranteeing a white Christmas. Can I say that? (laughs) 60 to 70 percent. That's a pretty good chance. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. So this weekend, next, we are going to, at this point of the morning, have a year in review series. We're going to focus on some of the big stories locally, year in technology, business, music. Today, we're focusing on the year in sports and uh, what a year it has been. Now, I'm jotting down some of the points that I want to discuss with our next guest. And uh, the, the list gets longer and longer and longer as I, you know, recall the memory bank and figure out what went on in 2021. And a lot happened. And here to shed uh, his opinion and analysis on some of the happenings in the world of sports this year is Scott Radley, the host of The Scott Radley Show weeknights from 6 to 8 here on CHML and also a columnist with The Hamilton Spectator. Scott, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Well, maybe, and uh, I mean, we can start in a number of places. Maybe we'll start with something that is uh, really hot right now, and that would be the National Hockey League struggling with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, so much so that cross-border games have been canceled, and uh, there's talk that mm, this league might not participate in the Olympics. What is your gut telling you in terms of how the rest of the season plays out and whether or not they're going to be playing in Beijing? You know, uh, before we answer that, you know, the, the irony here is that when we were going to talk about this, I thought, you know, what we talked about is the fact that at least we had sports this year. Unlike last year when yeah. pretty much everything was canceled. And here we are, suddenly right back, seems, to where the circle had started. Maybe not exactly back, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, you've got all these games being canceled. Now you've got no cross-border games. I I frankly cannot fathom. I can't fathom how NHL players would go over to Beijing for the Olympics at this point, especially when you look at the rules that the Beijing government has put in there for quarantining if you were to get a positive test, where you could end up stuck there for five weeks after the Olympics are over. And NHL teams probably wouldn't pay salary because you're stuck. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, I don't see... I don't see much of a chance that they go ultimately. However, um, you know, some of these players, uh, understandably, they really want to play in an Olympics. It's part of their legacy. It's part of the thing that's on their to-do list, their bucket list. So we'll see. But boy, I'd be at this point, Rick, I mean, maybe you have a different thought on this one. I'd be shocked at this point. If no. we saw NHL players there. Yeah, I'm with you there. The, you know, the, it leads me to believe whether or not the Beijing Olympics are even going to happen because, you know, if if any athlete goes over there, tests positive, 
Um, you know, the, the political climate isn't great. Obviously, the the diplomatic boycott is added to the intrigue of these games. Are these Olympics in jeopardy being postponed just like Tokyo was? See, I would say yes, except for one thing. The IOC was willing and uh, show it was it had the the colonies to stand up to the Japanese government and say, hey, guys, we got to put this off for a year. Do you think the IOC folks are going to stand up to the Beijing, to the, to the Chinese government and say we're not coming? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that, that be, the Beijing, that the Chinese government is going to be too excited about that. And I'm not sure the IOC is going to be willing to make that stand. I think they may just push ahead with it and whoever comes, comes. And again, we'll see, we'll see where this, you know, COVID is, uh, Somewhat unpredictable, uh, somewhat being a little ironic, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, and again, Rick, I mean, let's look at it from the athlete's perspective. If you, if you, Rick Zamperin, were a loser, and uh, you've worked for four years to get to this point, I completely understand that you're saying I'll take my chances. But again, on the other hand, what happens if you get over there and you get a positive test and what happens if you know you're stuck in some sort of quarantine facility now and we correctly i would argue don't have any diplomats over there or anything if things start to go squirrely so there's no one to help you out i, I don't know I, i'm it this has become potentially unless things you know sort of unless this this new omicron is a meteor that just sort of explodes and then burns itself out very quickly. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. It's, it's, this is a tough one. A couple more minutes uh, before our latest break here with uh, Scott Radley, Hamilton Spectator columnist, host of the Scott Radley Show, weeknights 6 to 8 on CHML. This is our first in our year in review series, and we're focusing on sports, uh, keeping with the Olympics. What was the bigger story out of Tokyo? Was it women's soccer winning gold, Andre de Grasse winning gold, Penny Alexiak being the most decorated Canadian Olympian ever, or Damian Warner winning the decathlon. I mean, those are all heavy-hitting stories. Wow, yeah, that is uh, so uh, different for different reasons. The women's soccer, uh, huge because of the build that it had. Remember back in London with the the medal there and the controversy and all the kind of stuff, and and a team that had sort of become very well known and so it had a built-in fan base uh, and now every olympic athlete has a fan base because you turn on your tv and they say so-and-so from canada's performing built-in fan base but this one really had people they, i mean these were name brand um uh, same with andre de Grasse. and the list of people who have won that gold medal is pretty exclusive in that race i mean it's pretty darn exclusive uh penny alexiak the only the only reason I wouldn't in this category of four put Penny Alexiak first, and it's a, it's a, it's a weak reason, I grant you, but we've got to figure out, is swimming to me when we say, well, this is the, you know, Michael Phelps is the most decorated Olympian. Well, Christine Sinclair at each Olympics only has the opportunity at best to win one medal. She plays eight games, six games, whatever it is, but she only gets one medal even if she wins. Penny Alexiak has eight races, could win eight medals and so i always think that's kind of an unfair way to judge it I'm not taking anything away from her um but it's you know you, there are certain sports where you can take home a boatload and certain sports where you can't 
Uh, if you gave Canadian soccer a medal for every game they won, Christine Sinclair would probably have 15 medals herself. So, yeah. uh, But Damian Warner, how do you... The decathlon is the event that is supposed to, and uh, it, it's assumed that this is for the greatest athlete on earth. And he won, and he won going away. I, I, I don't know how you don't give it to him, although, boy, as I say, the it's it's by the slimmest of slim bars. It's by a hair at the finish line, I, and I and I may be wrong. I mean, it, it, there could be there could be a better argument than I've given for one of these other groups. I would give it to Warner, but just barely. Yeah, there, I don't think there's any wrong answer in uh, in that uh, fearsome foursome. That's for sure. We're going to continue our year in review sports edition with Scott Radley, the host of the Scott Radley Show, weeknight six to eight on CHML and Hamilton Spectator Sports columnist. When we come back here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, you're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We're continuing our conversation with Scott Radley, Hamilton Spectator columnist, host of the Scott Radley Show, weeknight six to eight, right here on CHML. The first of the several year in review series today year in review in sports the blue jays enjoyed a, a very successful 2021 campaign after an up and down season in buffalo and florida the year before robbie ray wins the cy young vladimir guerrero the hank aaron award runner up for the MD, mvp is this a team that is the team to beat in the east next year and for years to come or are they still playing catch-up against the likes of the rays and the yankees and maybe even the red sox um, sorry, I thought that was still the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, sentence ended with a question mark. <laughs> yes. uh, so, you know, when you say a very successful year for the Blue Jays, I agree when you look at all that individual stuff. And yep. yet, you know, Rick, I can't help say you had Marcus Simeon having the year of his life. You had Vladimir Guerrero having an unbelievable year. You had Robbie Ray having the year of his life. You had all these players, Teoscar Hernandez and everyone else, and you still didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's almost it's almost unfathomable that this team did not make the playoffs. And uh, you know, you look at it, you go, okay, Simeon is gone. Uh, George Springer should be healthy for the whole year. You hope, at least that's the plan. So you've got that. But boy, uh, this was not a team that had a problem with performances. It's a team that had a problem at the first part of the year with the bullpen and other areas throughout the season. Is it the team to beat? Um, maybe, maybe, but uh, there are some areas of this team that are going to have to be shored up, and and the starting pitching that looks pretty good right now, looks very good right now, is going to have to perform because, um, as I say, I, I would say, if I didn't know anything about last year, I would say you look at this team and you say, absolutely, this may be the team to beat. But somehow they took all those performances and didn't qualify for the postseason. So there's a little caveat beside it going, you know, probably, but. Yeah, if if guys like Barrios and Hyunjin Ryu don't have career years and they get you know at least a decent performance out of their pen, I don't think they're a playoff team in 2022. But who knows? Maybe they make a couple more offseason acquisitions, and you know the the bats are still on fire like they were this past season, and uh, they make a good run. But uh, who knows? From well, uh, and you can't throw away a bunch of games. I mean, they had some yeah. manager decisions in that season where you time and again, probably ten or twelve, you said, "What were they doing?" 
and you get rid of those games, and suddenly you're in. So we'll, we'll, there's management managing involved in that answer, too. But anyway, carry on. Uh, tennis, a phenomenal year for tennis players from this nation. Layla Fernandez uh, going to the U.S. Open final at the age of 19. Uh, the continual rise of Felix Auger-Aliassime, Denis Shapovalov, uh, Brianna Andreescu, although an injury riddled uh, 2021 um, they've certainly left Milos Raonic in their in their dust. This young core of tennis players, I mean, this is the golden age of tennis, and, that, and that's saying a lot because we've had some pretty good tennis players in this country over the last, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 years. Uh, yeah, after, say, five, how long ago was it now that uh, we had our two finalists both in Wimbledon in the same year? Um, six years ago? Yeah. And we thought that was the golden age of tennis, and then all of a sudden this comes along. And, you know, Rick, it's so funny you say golden age because so many sports right now we're describing as the golden age for Canada. Basketball, it's the golden age for Canada right now. Soccer, it's the golden age for Canada right now. Uh, Track and field, maybe not the golden age because we still do have those years with Donovan Bailey and the Ben Johnson era, whatever you may think of that. But there are a bunch of sports, and tennis certainly in the mix as all of a sudden on a golf is another one, but uh, all of a sudden on a given tournament, it would not be shocking if any of these players were to all of a sudden be in the semifinals or the finals. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I've been around, you've been around long enough that, um, yeah, you know, we had the odd one now and again, and, you know, you'd see in doubles, you'd see, go back far enough, you'd see Glenn Michibata pop up occasionally <laughs> and make it to the quarterfinals or Carling Bassett. But, you know, it's, it's, it's never been like this where legitimately every weekend you probably can turn on your, or every week you can be watching and there is a Canadian still in the mix deep into the tournament. So yeah, it, it is, uh, this is, this is a new era for Canadian tennis. One thing that, you know, you hope for, as you say, Andrescu, Bianca Andrescu, uh, just a meteor when she won the U.S. Open and then has basically been either sidelined or mediocre because of all of her injuries since then. Tennis seems to be a sport that really chews up its young stars very aggressively a lot of times. And we're, uh, you know, you just got to hope that this is something that's sustainable with these athletes because this is a, this is a great group of Canadians that we could be watching for a long time if the sport doesn't just spit them out after a few years. Uh, you mentioned uh, golf a couple of minutes ago, and uh, certainly the golf world is, um, you know, one where one weekend you can be phenomenal, the next weekend not so much. It's been a great campaign for Mackenzie Hughes, but this past weekend we saw the reemergence uh, of one Tiger Woods and his son Charlie, who looks pretty good as well at the age of 12. You know, 10 or 11 months, whatever it's been since Woods' car crash, he's back on the course, and while, you know, I would bet against him in terms of uh, playing four rounds at the PGA level right now in, in terms of making the cut or winning because, you know, that leg isn't 100%, obviously. He looked very good over the weekend and uh, I think is on course to maybe come back with the Masters. Your thoughts? Probably. Um, the one difference is, if I recall from this weekend, and I'll be honest, I wasn't watching all of it, uh, I think they got to drive in the cart yes. this weekend. Um, you know, people scoff. And understandably so, oh, golfers, they have to walk? Oh, my goodness, they have to walk. You know, you walk for four rounds, especially at Augusta, and I've been to Augusta, and I've walked the course, and it is so hilly. 
it, so you know, on a it's it's it does wear on you during the day, even for the golfers. But now you take you know Tiger Woods leg. I don't know that that leg holds up for four rounds as far as walking every single time and still being able to do what he did. But yeah, he looked pretty darn amazing. But I'll say, I mean, locally, um, unquestionably for me, locally, and we had Mackenzie playing in the Olympics and other things. Having a Hamilton guy tee off in the final round, sorry, in the final pairing of the U.S. Open on a Sunday was unprecedented. And we may never see that again, quite honestly. We may, we may not. But that, that was, I mean, it ended, unfortunately, I mean, the, the, the least lucky bounce of all time when Mackenzie not only hit a tree, and golfers hit trees, but he got stuck up in a tree, mm-hmm. which never happens. Um, but still, the, fa- the fact that he was leading the tournament on Saturday is just incredible. Yeah, great story. And uh, locally, a lot of great stories as well. Certainly the Grey Cup in Hamilton. Ticats yep. obviously falling a little bit short, but Shea Gill, just Alexander and his rise in the NBA. Um, uh, Rock City, the Toronto Rock coming to town. Bulldogs and McMaster Sports returning to action. Lots to celebrate locally as well. And uh, a big thumbs up to you, Scott, for uh, an amazing uh, 2021, not only in the sports uh, landscape, but with the talk show as well. Uh, thanks for joining us today and enjoy the rest of 2021 in the world of sports. Why, thank you, sir. You as well, and have a great morning. And everybody, when it comes to it, you got to vote for Christmas Vacation on a Rick tournament. <laughs> that's the only right answer. All right. Duly noted. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Scott Radley, he is the host of the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. You can hear him weeknights from 6 until 8, and a great columnist with the Hamilton Spectator. Yeah, there has been a lot to celebrate in the world of sports today, and we didn't get to a lot of the other things I had on my list in terms of you know, greatness in 2021. Connor McDavid, 100 points in just over 50 games this past National Hockey League season. The Montreal Canadiens and their epic run to the Stanley Cup final. Tom Brady winning his seventh um, uh, Super Bowl. Um, uh, Formula One season. Uh, lots of uh, Italy winning, uh, winning the Euro Cup. Uh, some amazing, incredible things uh, in the sports landscape in 2021. And I think we just cherished it, treasured it a little bit more because of the non-sports year that was in 2020. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.